Welcome back, everyone. The Back Peg here once again. Episode 23. Nathan Gould here with Lazarus Gremos. And Laz, you've sorted us out a fantastic guest for this week. Yes, Nathan, we have the pleasure of being joined by Angelica Georgopoulos, who is currently an administrator at the administration manager at Sydney Olympic Football Club in uh, National Premier League One here in New South Wales, but has got a really bright future as a football administrator in years to come. So uh, it'd be great to have Angelica join us on the Back Peg and get her thoughts on the current state of football here in Australia and also the Women's World Cup. And joining us today on the back peg is Angelica Georgopoulos, who is a currently administration manager at Sydney Olympic Football Club, but has been involved in football in some shape or form since her early years, but professionally from about 2019. Is that right, Angelica? Yeah, that's that's right. And right. and beyond that, you know. <laughs> yeah. You get roped into the game. <laughs> oh, don't you what? Don't you what? So thanks for joining us on this week's episode. It's fantastic to be here. And let's get started with your journey. Where to begin? <laughs> where do you begin? You where do you begin? Tell us how I know I know that you're involved with uh Canterbury District Soccer Football mm-hmm. Association. I've played in that association. Uh for many years, but um, you're involved with Stratfield, Stratfield Football Club. Tell us how yeah. you got kicked off into there and then ended up with Football New South Wales, Football Australia and Sydney Olympic. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, my story starts quite unusually. Uh, it all kind of started for me when I was about nine years old and prior to that I despised football. I actually hated it. I could <laughs> not stand it. I could not like. Everyone in my family watched it and it was everywhere and I hated it. Um, And looking back, my sister was the the quintessential result of the 2004 win by Greece. And so Mm -hmm. every little kid in that age bracket got stuck into football, every Greek kid that is. And she she played from about four years old and just you know, grew up with it, but I hated it. And I hated going to the field Sunday morning, it'd be eight o'clock in the morning, freezing my butt off. And uh, I just remember one day it was, it was my sister's semi-final. And I remember because she was playing on a full field. And at that time there would have been 10, 11 year olds, right? Playing in a full mm, field, chasing the yep. ball, right? Well, just chasing yep. it. And she had a beautiful open goal. She was right in front. And at 10 years old, 11 years old, she kicked it over the bar. She had a mad shot on her, but she kicked it over the bar, missed the sitter. And I turned to my dad and my mum at that point. I said, I could have gotten that in. And they both turned around and said, well, why don't you? Go get on there, you know, do something. <laughs> and I was like, all right. So I remember sitting at the dinner table, doing my registration for the next season. It was, and it just kind of all wow. went from there and fell in love with it. But it's interesting because my story, I was actually a result of the female football, the beginning of that. Um, mm. I, I never played with boys. I always played with girls. So I'm quite quintessentially that that generation of female footballers who grew up with female footballers. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I had the representation. It didn't mean I had mm. people at the field. You know, I was playing with the girls, but we just, it was so severely. And even to this day, I hate to say it, so severely just under-recognised. And I think that's you know, something we're battling, but it's getting better, but I'm mm. sure we'll get to that later in the pod. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. But, yeah, and it all kind of just kicked off from there. I started volunteering at 14 because I was at the park every day anyway mm. and 
my dad was coaching, my mum was managing, you know, my sister. And then eventually I started playing with my sister. So it was a whole family football affair. And then I had my grandparents on the sidelines. So I grew up at Stratford Park. And even during my HSC, I, I was at Stratford Football Park more than I was at school. And, and that didn't interfere with my studies. If anything, it helped me. And uh, yeah, I basically just just volunteered. And, and I knew that football's where I wanted to be. Uh, in 2014, I was really lucky um, to be picked by Tim Cahill to enter his ambitions tour, they called it. And it was 20 kids across Australia wide. And, uh, you know, he, he picked players like professional athletes, you know, um, kids who were just doing good at school. You know, I was just the nerdy kid who was also sporty. And uh, and he said to me, you know, you, do you want to play football? You want to be a professional football? I was like, not really, but I love the game. And, mm. and I remember he said to me, he's like, why don't you work in football? Why why aren't you aspiring to be? It never even occurred to me. And I was like, yeah, oh my God, I want to do that. So that kicked it off. And I hate, I hate to say it, Tim Cahill, I owe him my life and, and everything I've done because that's that's the day I realized, yeah, that's this is what I'm gonna do. And and I haven't stopped since. <laughs> that's brilliant. Amazing. Amazing. And did you have a plan prior to that in 2014? Uh, you know what? I was, I'm a pretty ambitious kid and I still am an ambitious kid and I use that very, <laughs> uh, very, you know, proudly. I I was looking at physiotherapy, you know, I was looking at like the typical sporty kid places, you know, sports, exercise. Um, but, you know, like I never really had direction, you know. I, I knew I was going to do something and whatever I set my mind to, I would do it. But there was no like, yes, aha moment. And I'm really lucky that I had that aha moment when I was so young. I think a lot of people have that when they're older. Or, and, you know, not to say that that's not more valuable, but, you know, as a kid, I was like, yeah, this is this is it. And, you know, it was kind of head down, bum up kind of situation where I just went, yep, we've, we've got to go. And, um, I was always drawn to leadership, so I guess it kind of just just found me. So, yeah. Being involved with Strathfield Football Club and an MPL club as well in Sydney Olympic, what are you noticing as differences between the two types of organisations? Obviously, one's more grassroots football and one is to, mm -hmm. you know, more performance-driven in, in the MPL sphere, looking to uh, obviously progress into the uh, national second division. So... Mm -hmm. What are the differences you're noticing and what are the challenges that you're um, facing with, between both clubs? So this is really interesting, this question, because if you asked me this question 12 months ago, I would have given you a completely different answer. And um, I even went on the program last year with Andy Pascalides and I have, I'll, I'll admit, I have to take back a few things that I said on that, on that, uh, that program. And mm -hmm. it's partly because I was a little bit ignorant to the NPL world. I never had experience in that field. You know, it's always been grassroots community for me. Mm. And so I had that kind of like entitlement. I'm going to call it the community entitlement because that's kind of what it is and it's kind of not. There's probably a better word to mm -hmm, use. But mm -hmm. essentially, you know, community has to come first and I believe that and I still believe that. Uh, but there's this massive neglect in the NPL space and it's a little bit the left arm doesn't talk to the right arm, I find a lot of the time. And where community is actually, I'm going to say, well more structured than, dare I say, NPL is because I feel like a lot of the time I'll be talking to my colleagues or I'll be talking to other clubs and everyone just seems lost and everyone just seems like there's there's so many things to be done. There's no proper structure. 
And I don't really know who's to blame for that. I don't know if it's our governing bodies. I don't know if it's, if it's you know, a little bit because it's semi-professional, you know, it's not treated professionally. I think it's a little bit of A, a little bit of B, but mm-hmm. I find a lot of the time there's this, there's just lack of coherency and there's this constant need to reiterate what's going on. Like what, what are we doing here? And um, I think that's been the hardest thing for me because, again, coming out of that community, coming from that very structured, very this is A, this is B, this is C, to a very like this is A, this is B, this is C, but there's so many finer print rules and there just doesn't seem to be that structure like this is it, this is how we do it. Everybody does it differently. That's what I'm learning. Every club has their own system, has their own processes, and everyone's learning off, you know, the previous successes and previous colleagues. And it, it's it's kind of sad because I think it deserves so much more. It deserves to have a proper structure and and some just set in stone, you know, like this is this is how we do things and, and everyone needs to know it. And I just feel like that is the consequence of that semi-professional nature of it. And it's really sad because again, 12 months ago, I would have said, uh, NPL, you know, but I have now grown this, this kind of love for it. And, and this, it's almost like a sadness because it actually does deserve so much more. And like I said, I'll take back what I said 12 months ago. This, this needs help. The NPL needs help. And I hope this national second vision is going to be that, that light, but Sadly, I'm not seeing the results of that looking ambitious because the the and again, is this a governing body thing? Is mm. it because it's a new process? You know, we're we're treading, you know, unknown waters a little bit. But I'm I'm really disappointed, and I will say this to anyone: I'm disappointed in the way that this is being run. As a young person coming into this game, it's very overwhelming because there's no communication and the first communication we find out is the same communication that the public finds out. So we're learning when the public learns. So it's very, I don't know. I I don't know what to say that challenge is other than just, we need to talk a bit more that, Mm -hmm. you know, there's too many, too many chiefs, not enough Indians. That's what it feels like. And I just would love someone to come down from the heavens and say, guys, this is what you need to do. This is how we're going to get there. And that's just not coming across. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And that's something I sort of sense from the outside looking in, that there is too many subsections in Australian football, Mm -hmm. not to mention everything with the A-Leagues and the branches of that that have come out in the last 18 months and the years prior to that with the the ongoing battle. Are you expecting this to improve with the NSD as it becomes more established or once it kicks off and the years that follow and potential closer ties with the fully professional leagues in this country? I think this is a really complex question because I think it's a little bit what comes first, the chicken or the egg. And I'm going to say to you, yes, this is going to fix a lot of Australia's football problems. But the back end to that is that our media coverage sucks. Our media coverage in football in general sucks. So we're not going to go anywhere unless we start fixing that. And and I think that is one of the most underestimated points of our football is that we need to fix that before we can even, you know, worrying about bums on seats for the National Second Division will come through proper media coverage. And I think that is partly why 
we're suffering in the NPL as well. I mean, the, I mean, the other day I was trying to put just the NPL on my TV and it was saying it wouldn't work and I had to do this. And it was just, it was like, in the end, I'm not even going to watch it. I'm just going to leave it because it's all too hard and I'll just watch it on Google. I'm going to watch the live updates because that is quicker. That is just not good enough, you know, and that's our, that's our second, you know, in our NPL is our second division in this country and I can't even bloody watch it. That's that's not good enough. So, you know, I think I think there's a lot of complexities to that. But the simple thing is we need to fix the media side of this game. Absolutely, number one, before we even do anything. Yeah, it's relatively non-existent, to be honest. Mm. And I think there Mm -hmm. needs to be, and Nathan and I have discussed this with other guests in the past, that I think there needs to be an offensive of some sort, but a a subtle offensive to actually try and win over uh, media outlets and actually use a soft glove influence, if if I can put it that way, right? Yep. Because they're not going to come out looking for it. It's something that we actually need to do as a game. Actually, go to them. Yep. And yeah. say, and, and like, you know, yes and, and no. swallow like, our pride, swallow our pride yeah. as well, right? And actually, be a bit, bit more strategic about it. Yep. No, I do agree with you, but in, but in some ways, I mean, I sit down and I watch Channel Nine News every morning with with my partner, and he he says the same thing. He's not a football head, by the way. He actually mm-hmm. had nothing to do with football until meeting mm-hmm. me, and that was wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we sit there and we're watching TV, and every morning we're watching the news, and he even turns around to me and goes, "Why don't they ever put any of like our football on?" And I was like. John, you are trying, this is the question every football head in this country has been asking, right? Why do I not see my code on TV every morning? And yeah, I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot to blame on these corporations, Mm -hmm. 100%. There's a lot of responsibility on Mm -hmm. them. But, you know, I think we as an audience, we need to be pushing for it. We need to be asking. We want to consume this, you know. Mm -hmm. But at some point, the corporations have to start listening, right? And I do think there is that, you know, historical Sheila's Wogs and Poofters thing associated with our game, right? And I think partly that is why historically the typical Aussie doesn't like watching our code, right? They don't don't think it's, they don't rate it, right? So there's a a lot of things at play here is why our football is not getting media coverage. And I think those guys that have their hand in their pocket and those corporations are, are very much sticking to that Aussie mentality of like, this is the real footy, this is the real football, you know, and, and I hate that. I really hate that. Yep. And and we need to start pushing as an audience. We need to start making more noise on that. I don't think we do enough. I don't think we do enough in, in screaming for what we need. The interesting thing though is I, I agree with you generally, but would you not say that it's also on football to sort our own house out before we start promoting it to the media companies and or suggesting that you it should be covered a lot more? We have so many incidents throughout our game that some of them do make the news, some of them don't, where it would only be viewed in a negative light or it's not something worth covering. Oh, hang on. Are you just, telling uh, me that hang, the NRL don't have enough of that? Of course. Like... I was just going to say. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that's not a good excuse. Uh, it's not an excuse, but it's sort of... A point that yes, the NRL have their issues, but they have that rusted on sport. They have a strong structure in place for what the people see on TV. Mm. It's p- partly that it's already established on TV. And- any media, any media company will tell you any marketing is good marketing, right? Right. Anyone in media will tell you that. So I, I call BS on that. I call like no, because but- you know what? That's an excuse. I, That's I, an excuse. I, I'm inclined to agree with you there, Angelica, because there's. Straight away, as soon as something bad happens, even at park football, it's on the news. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whilst, as you know, the W League Grand Final was on the same weekend that um, 
uh, Coda got um, assaulted, yep. and there was no mention of that. Well, v- no. next to little mention no. of that, right? Comparatively, so and considering there was you know ten thousand, almost ten thousand um, in the in the crowd for essentially uh, Sydney FC and and you know and Melbourne City and the top two teams, and you know it, the weather Absolutely. was atrocious that weekend, yep. and yep. I thought ten thousand was a was a good crowd. Decent. Wasn't wasn't mentioned, right? (laughs) So, but to your point, and I think every state has its, well, every city has its own challenges with regards to that. So, Melbourne's media, for instance, you know, and I'm going to upset you know a lot of our uh, Melbourneian friends, but you know, all they uh, talk about is the um, is AFL and nothing Mm -hmm. else exists on the planet. It's just, hey, it's so insular (laughs) and this is the greatest game that has ever been invented on God's green earth and, you know, everything else can, you know, go get nicked. Whilst, um, whilst, and see, and there are cultural issues with regard to that in particular. There are cultural reasons as to why that's been allowed to manifest in Victoria the way that it has. Whilst I would contend that Sydney is and Brisbane to a lesser extent, but Sydney in particular is probably a bit more open to football mm. given the, Absolutely. you know, the diversity of sport that we have and not being so fixated on what, you know, not having something shoved down your throats, otherwise you're ostracised from society, right? So there are cultural issues in the media coverage that have been there for generations and that's why you've got a, you know, they've basically, all mainstream media have basically taken out their football operations uh, football reporting, I should say, rather, and yep. have gone behind paywalls. Yep, yep. And that's, that's and that's essentially what's happened. Yep, and that's, we need to that's kind, exactly right. We need to kind of try and change that. How do we change that? I agree yeah. that, yes, football's not in a great spot right now, and I'm already sort of feeling I'm in a devil's advocate sort of role here talking about the BD companies. But <laughs> That's unlike yeah. you. <laughs> that's unlike you. <laughs> Any listener to the pod would know that that's BS, right? You, devil's advocate. Please, come on. <laughs> But the news companies are there to provide the news and what their audience is either used to hearing or want to hear. And look, I don't think I'll get any pushback that AFL and NRL are bigger in their respective markets. And yes, they are going to be bigger news because they're more popular games. And yes, of course, chicken and the egg scenario. But at the end of the day, does football need mainstream media? I don't personally watch the news. I don't watch, I don't read newspapers. I don't look at uh, articles except for football specific articles platforms like The Athletic, for instance, mm-hmm. to get my news. Whether Channel 9 or 7, whoever, have football in the number one slot on the news sports section, it doesn't affect me whatsoever. Does football even need that coverage? I think the answer to this question is yes, because we need more casual fans. And hear me out on this. Mm-hmm. I went to school in general area, obviously, like mm-hmm. normal normal mm-hmm. high school, um, you know, it was a girls' school and, you know, none of them really watched NRL. They didn't really care about the sport. They just, they knew it. But they were going to the games because they're a casual fan and their families know what they hear of it. We need our media to talk about it so we can get more casual fans to our games and then eventually turn them into the hardcore, rope them into the game like the rest of us, right? Mm. But I just think the problem with our sport, it's only the diehard fans. It's only the ones that grew up with it. We don't have any casual fans. And, like, as an administrator, it's that's, that's, where, that's where the money is for us. And we have the demographic. We have people that will willingly go to a game 
but there's no advertising of it. I mean, look at tonight. Did you know the Socceroos were playing Argentina? Because I saw nothing about that. I saw absolutely nothing about that. And that's what I'm talking about. We need more casual fans. We need those people who are watching the news at 9 a.m. to be like, oh, yeah, I could go to that. Like, it's a family outing day. And we have a family vibe. Football is family, right? That's what we market the whole day as. Dare I say NRL is a bit more rough. I wouldn't be sending my family, not that mm. I'm using my bias, you know, that's, no, that's personal sure. bias there. But you know what I mean? Like it's, it's not really a family environment in my brain, but football to me is it's got that family atmosphere. It doesn't have that rough element, you know. It's, it's, it is a sport that is welcoming to all. So it's the world game. <laughs> it's the world game. Are you telling me that in this country with your only country in the world, who can't get an attendance, like I, I call BS on that again because we have it. We we have people that will consume it. We're just not capturing those casual fans. The challenge that I think we face as a game, and I'll be interested to get both your thoughts on it, would be or is the strength of our game is in is in park football and community football, right, as far as participation and interaction. Mm-hmm. And you can extrapolate the numbers and say, okay, well, there's, you know, uh, 2 million people involved with football, Take that out and you could probably double that with family members and all that around the country, right? The question is, and the challenge is, how do we turn those numbers into passionate football people to support the different levels of the game within the country, right? Because then you've also got, there's so many different facets to to this broader football family, if you want to call it that, right? Where you've got Euro snobbery, you've got, oh, I don't want to see the local product because, uh, you know, uh, who am I going to go watch? All that kind of stuff. So that's, I think, what the challenge is. I don't know what you guys think about it, but I think the challenge is to get local uh, people involved with local football or community football into being becoming passionate supporters of the MPL clubs and of mm-hmm. the A-League clubs and providing an atmosphere to these games that is unrivaled in the other sports. So I actually think you're, you're skipping a step there. Okay. You're saying how do, how do we get these passionate mm. supporters? Passion comes later. All right. Sure. The first step is we need to get those casual fans. We need to get your everyday people into the stadium. That's step one. Mm-hmm. The commitment and the relationship with the team and the passion, that comes later. But half the, the problem that we're facing here is we're not getting people in stadiums. We're not mm-hmm. getting people to these games. Mm-hmm. Okay. Quotation marks. All right. That, that's why it is so important that we do have mainstream media, that we do have those the consumption for those casual fans to see because the passion comes with it. And everybody knows once you're, once you're hooked in, you're hooked in for life in mm. this game. So I have no doubt that they will stay. They will stay. They will 100% stay. But we need to get them to the stadium. So the question now is how do we get them to the stadium? We need to start engaging more with community. Yeah. I've got to give it to the AFL. They smash this out of the park mm. when it comes to that. They are at every single school that I can think of, even yep. my own school experience. All I remember was AFL, AFL, mm. AFL, AFL. And they smash that with the engagement in the community. So we need to be getting to more schools. We need to be at stadiums. We need to be at other sporting code events. There's so many gala days in the community for schools, you know, daycare, whatever it is. Those are the the, the target of getting our casual fans in, targeting those families, being in shopping centres, just being there. But you don't see that with football. You, you see it's starting to, I'm, I'm being a bit slack, we're starting to see the change now where football's starting to copy the AFL, the, the other codes and trying mm. to engage in community. But we need to give these people access to our games. 
That's the first step. And then the passion, commitment, relationship, that all comes later. The emotional attachment, yeah. Exactly, exactly. But also we've got to make sure that they're exposed to it young too. Mm -hmm. That's another thing. I think think that's really pivotal. And, you know, and even athletes getting out there and and seeing the kid. I mean, look at me. The second I met Tim Cahill, that's it. That was the moment I became attached to this game. When he gave me that guidance, he gave me someone. He was an idol to me. You know, we need to make our athletes idols to the to the future generations. That's that's gonna hook everyone in too. That's a secret. That's that's gonna that's gonna win this game, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. And we see some things this season with the illegal access. We see a lot of storylines being told through that. And we've said multiple times on the pod that we just want to see more of it. There's plenty more stories that aren't covered in that program. And you like I see plenty of kids at uh, MacArthur games when I go down there. They're my local mm-hmm. team. And that's something that is very much a, a slow burn. Uh, you can say that about a few other clubs in the early, but very, it's a, it's a slow burn. You're, put, you're, you're putting it mildly there. <laughs> yes. Um, but really, football's got a bit of a checkered pass when chasing casual fans like as the primary objective. We want more casual fans. That's the sole focus because not only do you run the risk of sanitizing the sport, you also run the risk of alienating those that have already been here from the start, from... 2005 or ones that have been picked up along the way. It's something that I see across other codes that chasing the casual supporter, the game and the, the sport and the league changes again and again and again, and it moves away from what made it initially popular. And yes, football, if we can go back to 2012, sort of levels of support, great. But in the meantime, and so many things have gone uh, under the bridge in the years since, but where we are now, I think we have a pretty decent call. And yes, arguments with APL and whatever, that aside, generally I think football's got a pretty strong core. And I would hate to see that alienated perhaps further, just chasing the casual fan for the sake of getting more attendances, more eyeballs on the game that really aren't going to hang around beyond a year or two if it does sort of take another dip. I think from a business brain, my it, I can't cope with that answer because I think that's the only way we're going to survive. I I don't. I'm I'm not disregarding the fact that we need to we need to protect those diehard fans. And I'm not saying we disregard them or anything. If anything, they're the, they're the lifeline. They they're the goal for those casual fans. You know. So I I don't see them as like putting them aside. I see them as putting them on a pedestal and saying, look what you can be a part of. You know. And I think that's what's going to differentiate us from other codes is that we've got that lifeline, we've got that history, we've got that world presence. So that's what's going to separate us from ever entering like the AFL or the NRL. We've got the world backing us, yeah. you know. So I don't have any doubt that we will turn into this whitewashed. It's not going to happen because we have we have too much history in this game. Even in the NPL clubs, even in this national second division, all these teams, you're going to find there's going to be a lot of people in our country that are going to be supporting two teams. That's what's mm. going to end up happening. And mm. I'm, I'm going to be one of them mm. because we're all going to have that, that soft spot because we know the history, we know the culture, and we're going to keep that going. So I don't think that... I think the word casual fan is maybe not the right word to use because they'll be casual maybe for the first few seasons, but then eventually, like we said, they're going to build that relationship. They're going to build that understanding. So I don't think that'll be bad for the game. I think they're, they're our target. But another thing that we haven't really considered is that football's not really like an all-year sport for us either, you know, whereas mm. the NRL, you know, they're, they're playing the whole season, even if they're not competition. I, I don't even understand how NRL works. I'm not even going to pretend like I'm an expert, mm. but... 
you know, I'm, I work obviously next door to the Bulldogs and they're constantly going no matter what, even if they've got the week off, whatever it is, they're going, going all year round. So we have to professionalise our code to be more like that in some ways because, mm-hmm. you know, there is a point where it stops and then it's like football just stops for six months of the year and then we're mm-hmm. back at it again and it's like full steam ahead, you know. I feel like we have to pace that out and maybe the national second division will be the void in that. Maybe they'll fill that. Um, but, you know, I think that's another reason as well. We're just so like that. Also, again, I think that's the Australian football, right? Like that's our football. I mean, no one no one else in the world has this problem. So I think we've got to reevaluate the way we have structured our game because I think we've structured it very much to align with the NRL ways and even just the concept of a grand final, right? That's, that's foreign overseas. You know, what's that? Yeah. You know, why, why are you doing that? So you know, and but then again, Aussies love that. Aussies love that. And if we take away that, are we then going to remove the flair of our game? You know, there's so many things here that we have to think about. And I wouldn't even know the answer to that, to be honest. Because if you remove the grand final and the whole final series, that eliminates mm. a lot of draw for casual right. supporters. Yeah, well, exactly. But they've done that in the appeal for this season in New South yeah, Wales. I'm not sure about the other states, to be honest, but I know that in New South Wales, it's first past the post this year. And you know what? I hate grand finals. I hate them. They're so nerve wracking. It's never, it's never. I, you, see, but I love them. I hate them. But I know. Then, it's you know so... what? You know what? Me going now, there's no grand final in the NPL for the boys or the girls. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. this is, this is weird. The season's just going to end with no heartbreak. Have, or have a cup fight. Have, like, have a cup at least or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. And, like, and have a like, league cup know? within that league and then go, hey, there's the that. cup. Yeah. I get it. I hate that. I, I miss it. Yeah. I really don't want to say that. I get <laughs> but it. But you know what? It's, it's true. It, it, it's a bit of flair. So that's what I mean. Like I'll cop it and say, yeah, maybe we do need to keep the grand finals. Maybe that's what's getting bums on seats. I don't know. Don't quote me. And don't no, know. that's fair enough. Again, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's change tack a little. Women's World Cup. What are your thoughts? What are you hoping that the legacy is beyond the World Cup tournament for Australia football? Well, I mean, we were speaking before about how, you know, there's that lack of consumption, obviously, in football. But but I really do think women's football is going to be the one that changes that historical, you know, nature of what football's considered, you know, shooters, wogs and poofters. You know, I think it's going to be women's football that changes the course of how we view football in this country. And I think we're getting those casual fans at female football games. And I love that because I'm I'm hearing constantly on the street, um, oh, have you have you bought tickets yet? Or oh, I've never been to one before. And I'm like, yes, that's that's what that's what I want to hear. Uh, admittedly, I didn't hear that six months ago, and I was getting a bit stressed out because I thought there's been no media coverage on this. There's been absolutely no word. Nobody knows. I asked someone on the street, do you know the World Cup's coming? They're like, what? What's that? You know. Mm. But that that has changed. I'll I'll cop that. And and ever since they opened up that Harbour Bridge, um, fan zone thing, that that's that's phenomenal. That's mm. brilliant. You know that that's the kind of stuff we need to hear. And and hearing that is now maybe okay. Calm down. They've got yeah. this. You know, I'm yeah. I'm hopeful now. I'm, I have faith again. Yeah. It seems and like the FIFA machines rolled in with that one. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And <laughs> it's it's not even it's not even about 
you know, like hearing the word legacy, just hearing that word is like, this is this is going to be the new 2000 Olympics for us, right? I mean, I was born in 2000, so I'm just going to give everyone a heart attack. You don't feel old. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. So I can't like, Olympics. I was six months old. So, you know, um, but that was my first memory. I actually, yeah, just was wow. like, yeah, yeah, I know. That's pretty cool. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I know. So um, I, I vividly remember being on the on the stand. I remember seeing the stands. Yeah, wow. I was a pretty advanced six month year old. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, you know, just just hearing that, you know, that we're we're having a World Cup, and you know, I can't wait to tell like future generations. You know, like I remember when when I watched Australia play Ireland, and you know, like things like that is like just that's the talk. You know, that's what's going to keep our football going and women's football going, and. This is this isn't just about you know women's football. This is for all codes. This is for all codes in in football and women's sports and sport in general. This is just this is going to be special. I can feel it. It's it's going to be so wonderful. And I don't even know what else to say because it's it's like a bittersweet moment of like everything that I've ever worked for is this is this is going to make me want to keep going. You know, and and all the heartache and everything I've had to deal with in this industry and. You know, sometimes you just want to throw the towel in. It's it's going to be seeing that opening ceremony. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're in the right place. So I'm I'm super keen. Cool. <laughs> so so talk to us about how the sort of processes and the follow on from this tournament. You mentioned that it's going to it, it should change the game for football in this country. Pardon the pun, but how do you actually get to that point? And it's not the case of it being a little bit underwhelming post tournament. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's it's about talking, right? I think that's that's half the battle is getting people talking about the game, talking about sport, talking about women in sport. And I think this seeing young girls watching this and young boys as well, watching female athletes and seeing that is normal, that in itself is doing so much, so much than you care to care to imagine. Because at my at that age when I was playing, there was none of that. There was none of that. Football stopped for females. Football stopped at an age. At 16 years old, that's when you stop. And I, I grew up with that. And, and there was nothing beyond 16 years old. So the fact that these girls and boys are seeing that this is normal, this is a career path, this is a professional career path, that you can be a full-time footballer in itself is going to do so much. And even just even the, the the old dinosaurs, you know, they're finally going to wake up and move that rock that they've been under for all these years, you know, and go, hang on, okay, maybe- <laughs> that's unfair. <laughs> hey, it's okay. No, it's no, right. no, no, because okay. we're not a visual visual thing. Sorry, <laughs> Nathan just put, points at me, and I'm like, hey, come on, <laughs> you know how I feel about women's football. I mean, you know. <laughs> I've made it clear. Oh, it was more the dinosaur we... point, but oh right, oh, so it's more the age-related thing. <laughs> That's Bastard. the one. Bastard, let's go. <laughs> We're sorry, Angelica, we didn't mean to cut off. No, no, no. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about, right? Like that's 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 the vibe we need. We need those people who have had such a such a opinionated view, you know, to go and wake up and go. You know what? I'm okay, maybe they actually can play. Maybe I have been 100%. wrong all these years, you know. And and it's that kind of visibility that is what to me is going to be the most powerful thing or the, the biggest legacy out of this whole tournament is is these young kids and they're going to see female referees, female coaches, female players, you know, and that 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 is so powerful to me. That That's what I am so excited for is just that it's there and they're there. 
and they're professional and they're getting paid professionally, that's what I'm super happy about and I hope is the end goal, right? Well said. Well said. Couldn't agree with you more there. The Now it's time to actually go to the on-the-park thing quickly, right, for the Women's World Cup. How far do Australia go? Part of hearts <sighs> or head? De- okay. Depends which way you want to go. All right. After watching the Disney production, I'm like, they, they have to win, right? Like they have to win it. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is, has to be the Disney fairy tale That's ending. Right. <laughs> Disney would have picked it up, right? That's right. Um, I, I'm confident that being at home is going to have an impact. Like mm-hmm. I, I hope that this is the fairy tale. I hope that this is the fairy tale ending. Um, in saying that, you know, the USA just put out a fantastic advertisement the other day and even that got me pumped up for them, you know, and, and it, it was cocky and it was wonderful. They're the, and they're was, the favourites. And it, it irked me yeah. and it just, it worked. And it, it just it just reminded everyone that, hey, know your place. <sighs> you know, and that's yeah. the thing. And and it, that's, this is where I'm like, yeah, Australia, I'm, I'm going to back them. My heart is backing them. Um, then you, but then you've got Germany. You know, they're they're a tough contender. They're they're workhorses. Those women in Germany, like, and then Sweden as well. Like, this just, I want to say that Australia makes it. I want to say Matildas make it to the grand final, make it to the final. That's that's where my heart. Let's do it. Let's say it. Let's Done. say it. Done. Done. Locked in. They'll be in the final. Done. Angelica, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Such such a pleasure to be Con- here, guys. Congratulations on all that you've done so far for football and uh, long may it continue. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you, and thanks for coming on the show. No, thank you. <laughs> thank you for having me. 